All right, welcome everyone to the RSP cast. This is a continuation of the projection series. I'm Matt Waldman with the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. And of course, I have Dwayne McFarlane with me here from Pro Football Focus and Fantasy Football Hustle. We're going to talk with Dwayne in a minute. We're going to start off with the Seattle Seahawks. Really, just, just you know, listen, I'm just biased because I'm a big time Seattle Seahawks fan. Um, but before I guess before we get to that, though, one of the things I'd love to do is just share with you some of the great work that Dwayne's doing um, at with the Fantasy Football um, Hustle podcast. So, Dwayne, if you don't mind, you know you have a draft plan that you're doing on that channel that you're taking people through. Can you tell people a little bit more about it? Yeah, yeah. So you can find it, you know, on YouTube, you know, or you can find it on iTunes. You can find it pretty much anywhere, but it's FF Hustle. And if you look up the draft plan show, you'll see a show that we dropped last Thursday. And, you know, you know, Matt, that I've played, you know, for a while in a lot of these higher stake leagues, you know, really big competitive um, fields. And it's something that, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to do really well at. And so I this year for the first time really ever won am posting my rankings, which you can find at Pro Football Focus. Um, and I've posted my tiers and I mean, I'm, these aren't just normal tiers. Like these are 10,000 word articles telling you everything you need to know about the player within the tier. So you can kind of use it as, you know, an index, if you will, you, you can just see the list of the tiers if that's all you want. But if you want to know why does Dwayne have this player in this tier, you can see, and you'll see the way that I group players, but then that ultimately leads to how do you attack your 20, how do you attack 20, your 2020 draft? And the thing I'll say to people um, you know, is every year is different. So you hear some people talk about, oh, you got to go running back robust. Some years running back robust works. In 2017, I want a ton of money going, but I got to start with Le'Veon Bell, right? Come back with Todd Gurley. And then I took Kareem Hunt. If I had had to take, you know, Leonard Fournette as one of those three people, I wouldn't have went running back robust. So every year is a little different. And there's a lot of great data and analysis on there. But I think sometimes people t put too much on, well, last year, if you drafted four running backs, you won. Well, which four running backs did you get to draft, right? Last year, if you waited till the 14th round to take your quarterback, you won your league. Well, why? Because that was Lamar Jackson. So this whole episode, Matt, is really around how does everything look this year? Like, how can you think of ahead, multiple steps, it's not checkers, it's chess. How do you put yourself in the best position to avoid the spots where you don't want to take a running back? Make sure you're maximizing the receivers. Still get your upside. And oh, by the way, if you want to take a guy you and I both love and have already talked about, James Conner, how you can still easily, easily make sure that you're protecting that investment as well. So there's a ton of stuff in there. Um, it's literally the plan, Matt, that I'm using for my high stakes drafts. I probably shouldn't even be sharing it, um, but it's out there. So again, you can find it at the Fantasy Football Hustle and it's the Draft Plan Show. Beautiful. And that's awesome. And I love the fact that when it comes down to it, again, you're you're talking about picking the right players. It's a combination of, you know, it's not, there's there's not always one right player for each situation, but it's not just pick a running back here. Just pick lots of running backs or let's, you know, uh, and, and that's or zero the, or upside or down. Like you, yeah. Hey, to, and everybody, you have to give Matt a shout out. I know some people get mad about this, but Matt was actually the first person to ever talk about zero RB and it was called upside down drafting. I just have to get it out there, Matt. Well, I appreciate that though. I would say <laughs> I would, yeah, it, it just wasn't as sexy as zero RB, but then again, upside down was sexier than do the opposite. Cause I got to give Paul Charchian credit for what, you know, for him way back in the day too, though. I did talk about fragility 
way back in the day too. You know, I was probably the first mm-hmm. to talk about anti-fragility and I just didn't go fancy with it because I didn't think I needed to, to do that. So, but you know, it's a Sean's, was it Sean Siegel? Is that his last Oh, and name? who, and yes. And, and Sean's who? amazing. Yeah. He's Sean, a great, Sean, he's a great fantasy player. Yes, he is. He does great work and there's no, and I've no animosity with any of that in any way. It's that's awesome, you know, and it got it got people interested in you know just looking at fantasy in a different respect. So that's all great, but I appreciate it. Um, you know, one guy who you know is no longer underrated um, in any way, shape, or form is Russell Wilson, and I would say that that's great. Last year, you talked about him in a, from a data standpoint that just. You know, I mean, just got me excited because I've always long been a fan of, of Russell Wilson in that standpoint. Um, you know, and last year was near career numbers for him. So, you know, you get him and and I would say he might be the safest quarterback other than Patrick Mahomes in this class. I mean, in this draft, he might be the safest quarterback in this draft if you just think of, well, if we're in a COVID environment, who would you rather have? Russell Wilson, who can basically has been dealing with a bad offensive line all these years um, and has only slightly gotten better, um, or the line's only slightly gotten better, or Mahomes, who's pretty much dealt with a good offensive line, um, and but at the same time may not have had to deal with the, the bullets flying as much as Russell Wilson. I might say to you, if you're like... If you're like the um, if you're the doomsday prepper version of the COVID fantasy player, that you might want to start looking at Russell Wilson as your guy and put him atop your boards. But I, you know, we don't know what what this grand experiment's going to hold here. So, in terms of what the Seahawks are doing, it seems like Russell's been lobbying, you know, quite ardently for somebody in addition to his receivers. But he's had some nice ones. I mean, Tyler Lockett has played some excellent football. DK Metcalf. You know, I called Tyler Lockett the Swiss Army Knife. I called DK Metcalf the Sledgehammer. And both of them are excellent tools at what they do. Um, You get Philip Dorsett, which is basically the guy that Tom Brady yelled at because he can't seem to run his assignments exactly the way you need him to. Um, But he's a really talented athlete who can track the ball pretty well when he gets open. But David Moore can do that as well. Um, And he was, uh, you know, kind of a fraction of the price. And he's a bigger player on the outside. Then you got guys like John Ursua, who's a, a slot player out of Hawaii, and Penny Hart, who might make the team, who I kind of dug. I thought he was the more efficient, refined version of what people thought Andy Isabella was in Arizona, so we'll see if he does anything. And then there's Malik Turner, who's kind of a big-bodied possession receiver. But the big news is at tight end, because you got Will Disley, who had the issues that he had, you know, the Achilles tear, and then he had another... Um, you know, he had another serious injury and he's practicing now. He's back, seems to be like in camp and working out. Maybe he'll get to play. Maybe he'll be the starter. Maybe that's the reason people completely lost their mind and put Greg Olson so low in ADP and fantasy leagues that he's basically free. When you think that Greg Olson, who's like, what does he do best? Run seam routes to the red zone. Like he's unbelievable in the red zone. Back of the red zone, seam routes. And then you know he can he's a veteran who can sit down and get wide open. So what does Russell Wilson throw the best, in my opinion? The seam route, especially in the red zone. Like this is like to me, I'm looking at this and I'm like, really? Like, should I just make a point and like not draft a tight end until like the end of drafts and pick up guys like OJ Howard, Eric Ebron, and Greg Olson? Because it's the easiest I, year ever to do it. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I can't remember. 
people have said it in the past. I think it's actually true that you're that you you want to pick up a couple of them. That's the only problem with it, right? But yes, I, I'm with you. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So Greg Olson adds that veteran element, and he's not done. He just happened to get hurt for a couple of years, but he looked pretty good last year when he was on the field. So I don't think that's a big of a deal. And then talk about underrated. Chris Carson's underrated. Like it's like. You know, Chris Carson had a good year. Everybody was, ha- oh yeah, the UDFA had a good year as a rookie. It looked promising, but they drafted Rashad Penny in the first round. Well, Penny was super talented, incomplete runner in terms of what he could do with a zone scheme versus gap. It showed up, even though he made some really athletic plays out of his mistakes reading blocking schemes. Seattle knew that. Give him an extra year. He starts to play pretty well suffers a three ligament tear in his knee. Um, so now he's trying to come back and make it to the beginning of the season. Probably not going to happen. He'll probably be, you know, probably confident in his knee by season's end at best. Um, so they, and you can tell that they're thinking that way because they drafted DJ Dallas out of Miami and they added Carlos Hyde, who had a thousand yards for the Houston Texans. You know, Carlos Hyde, who, if you look at Carlos Hyde on the surface, you go... He's a big back, kind of slow, but really quick. Great feet, good vision. Um, But, you know, you look at his box score, and if you're like a box score myopic fantasy guy, then you're going to say, well, you know, Cleveland was kind of a failure. And, you know, the Texans is kind of nondescript. I mean, and then he got cut by the – he got traded by the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs didn't even want him. You know, well, that's all fine and well. All I know is that if – Chris Carson gets hurt. Carlos Hyde is pretty much the closest thing to Chris Carson you're going to get um, on this particular roster in the run game. Because um, DJ Dallas is, an, is a hard runner. He's quick, not very fast, not nearly as refined as Hyde is right now. Um, he's a He has promise as a pass protector, but he tries to kill people. So as a result of that, sometimes he whiffs wildly. He's like the Reggie Jackson of of pass protectors. He's either going to like nail that or he's going to completely whiff on it. Um, and then you have Travis Homer who P- Petey Sunshine is always going to be talking about how great his players look in practice. Um, you know, so he, that's the one thing about Carroll, which I love is that you can take him with a grain of salt in that regard. But, you know, Josh, we didn't even talk about Josh Gordon, who I'm pretty sure if Antonio Brown doesn't get signed, they'll probably sign Gordon just before the season starts. And, and depending on which one, you know, we know that there's going to be an eight-game suspension for Antonio Brown, so maybe they'll wait later to sign him, or they'll, they'll they're waiting to see what goes on with Gordon's suspension and see how soon they want to sign him. So that's the Seahawks in the sense that they'll probably run the ball a good bit. They'll probably run a good bit of play action. Will they throw more? Will Russell Wilson be able to succeed in his lobbying or? Will he find a way with some of that magic water that he has to drug Brian Schottenheimer, or excuse me, cure Brian Schottenheimer, help or help Brian Schottenheimer see the light? However you want to look at it, religious, pharmacolo- pharmacological, or or just plain old good, um, you know, manipulation, uh, salesmanship. Can he get Schottenheimer to like let them go empty more often, or ten personnel, or or something along those lines where Wilson can be the the main guy in this offense because if they can Russell Wilson as you've said is capable of probably being an elite quarterback um even more so he'd be really competing with Lamar Jackson and 
Patrick Mahomes. It might not even be a competition, to be honest with you, if they gave him the weapons and just let him roll. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I mean, and there's a little bit of a trend here. Um, you know, they've moved up in their number of pass, you know, from a passing percentage standpoint the last two years. Um, so it was 52%, then it went up to 54%. So, I mean, in your range of outcomes for Wilson, you know, we could see more of like 56%, 57%. If he gets to that number, um, to your point, he's got a range of outcomes that still includes quarterback number one overall in fantasy. And I think that's the one thing people are forgetting about Russell Wilson. They like him because they know him and they're like, okay, I can trust Russ. Yes, you can, but don't forget, he still has upside of being the number one fantasy quarterback, you know, in the league. The, the biggest issue for Wilson, you know, is when the Seahawks do get out to those leads and their defense hasn't been as good lately. So he's, you know, that can be part of what's pushing up, you know, those, those passing play percentages. You know, so last year, for example, their margin of victory was 0.4. So even though they won 11 games, you know, their average margin of victory was less than a point. So there's a lot of close games going on. Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity, you know, for that pace to get pushed or not the pace, but the, the percentage of plays that are passed um, is, is I think well in play. It's also in play just because, you know, a coach could decide to your point, wow, we have two really good receivers. We have a really good quarterback. We added this tight end. Maybe we do pass a little more. If Chris Carson's slow, you know, to getting full health early in the season and you got Rashad Penny still trying to get back as well and they don't want to just, you know, destroy Carlos Hyde right out of the gate, you know, that could also factor in. So I think the thing people have to remember is that his upside is a one. The problem is when they get ahead, it's over. They're going to run. <laughs> Whereas other quarterbacks, they will still, you know, you'll still get, it, it's obviously goes to a more of a running game, yeah. but the Seahawks literally go on complete lockdown. Like it's over. It's like, they will just shut it down. It's like, literally they could just, you know, it, it's going to be 70% handoffs, you know, from there, but Wilson, he just has such, you know, his weapons are so perfect, Matt, for as much, you know, shit as Schottenheimer gets. Sorry. I said the S word. It's um, okay. Yeah. Uh, We're not for kids. As much as, as much crap as Schottenheimer gets, um, you know, for what kind of coordinator is and how you should let Wilson pass more. And he does some really good things such as he keeps Tyler Lockett in the slot and they run heavy play action and he puts defenders um, in zone and an absolute bind between the safety and the linebacker because they run the ball so much. You have to respect the run game. And then Lockett's gone. He's, he's in a hole and Wilson's accuracy is, I mean, as good as anybody in the league, we'll talk about that here in, in, in a minute. You know, I, he's still arguably, arguably the best, right, in the entire NFL if you look at all the throws he can make versus everyone else. So you do that, and now you've got a guy on the outside that you have to respect, and Metcalf started earning shadow, recover, shadow coverage down the stretch last year. Teams truly started saying, well, crap, we've got to take this guy away. Well, then you still got Lockett in the slot. So if they're trying to shadow their best person or do any kind of bracket on Metcalf, now all of a sudden Lockett's getting an even better matchup. And of course Lockett, you know, creates the same scenario, you know, for DK Metcalf. And so this is where I would say, you know, I talk a lot about, you know, the coaches, Matt, and what their history is. And but you always hear me say, you know, got to take it in the context of, you know, who are the players they had? Is this something there are truly coaches that want to run a scheme? And, and they will really stick with it. Then there are other coaches that are going to be much more adaptable to their talent. And then some coaches, you know, will just all of a sudden change. And you're like, wow, I didn't know they would change, but they did. And I think, 
you know, that's the thing, you know, with when you look at Schottenheimer over these last couple of years, um, it was a record 63% of the targets for the Seahawks last year went to wide receivers. 77% of the passing yards last year went through the wide receivers wow. on this team. So stop and think about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge number. And if you had thought, if you had looked at it before last year, even some of the narrative was, well, Schottenheimer doesn't really use his wide receiver too. Well, his name wasn't DK Metcalf. <laughs> and he didn't come out and do exactly what their scheme wants, which is push the vertical boundary when, when those contested catches, which, you know, amazingly aren't often contested catches because Russell Wilson's so good at dropping that ball in the bucket. What's crazy about, and we'll move on here, Matt, but I could go on and on about this team, but what's crazy about Wilson Keep going. Is when you look at his catch rate, Matt's like, you can do it on this player. Yeah. When you look at Wilson's completion percentages or his receivers' um, catch rates, these are guys, you know, working 15, 20, 25, 30 yards down the field. Their average depth of target is going to be around a 14 or 15, but they catch a lot of deep balls, and their catch rate looks like a, a running back. Like, it looks like you're throwing a check down pass to a guy three yards away because the completion percentage is so high. It's up in the mid-60s, and – sometimes even close to 70 for Lockett. That's just insane. Like you just don't, you don't ever see that. You, you never, ever, ever see that. You know, normally if you see somebody that had a 70% catch rate, it's somebody working underneath, you know, um, it's somebody, you know, you know, running drag routes all the time, or it's a, it's a running back against zone running a little flare route, you know, where all it is is basically, Hey, there's no coverage there. Um, but to see those receivers getting that it's, it's a, it, it, it speaks to Russell Wilson's accuracy, but B, it also speaks to the scheme and the bind that they put people in um, because they do see a lot of open looks. It's similar to the Titans and what they did with A.J. Brown last last year on play action over the middle of the field. Same thing you see with San Francisco. Different schemes and the way they scheme it up, but it's still about play action and attacking that intermediate area of the field. And so now you've got Greg Olson coming in. You know, And Disley last year out of the gate was really good. I mean, yeah. I think some people – forget that i mean he was as his has his uh routes per drop back picked up and he got in that 68 67 range before getting hurt you know in week six i mean week four he saw 29 percent of the targets you know but i mean you know so that's a that's the type of thing that you could see you know on a weekend not on a weekend week out basis but you're going to see those occasional spikes for like you know greg olson and I think Wiz, Will Disley's still going to be involved, but I expect you know Olson, to your point, to be you know the leader um, as far as the tight ends go. So as far as the team overall, you know Matt, I've got them. Um, you know, well, so Vegas has them at nine wins. PFF has them at nine wins. They won eleven games last year. I've got them at nine hundred and seventy-five total plays. Um, I've got them at five hundred and seven passing attempts, four hundred and sixty-eight rushing attempts. So I've still got them at that fifty-two forty-eight. Um, would I be surprised if they're at 54, 46, 55, 45? No, I'm, I'm doing it based on what I know, you know, the most about their coordinator. Um, and the fact is last year when they led, he still did shut it down, you know, so I just don't see a scenario where he's just going to let it go. Now, if the defense really stinks this year, even worse, we could technically get more shootouts, you know, from Russell Wilson, which, you know, would be, you know, a great thing. So you want me to jump over to Wilson? Sure with him since you like the, the the Wilson stats I got them all ready for you Matt I knew how excited you got last year so I'm just gonna throw them all at you all right uh grade from a clean pocket three out of 35 grade under pressure three out of 35 positive grade rate 
four out of 35 negative grade rate five out of 35 which that's better a, a low a low number is better for that big time throws two out of 35 turnover worthy plays two out of 35 third down grade first out of 35 like it's literally there's no quarterback remotely close yeah the consistency of what you just heard across everything there are guys that you know rank up there and you know we'll do really good in four or five categories but he's literally killer in every single one his accuracy plus percentage matt which that is that's basically what you call pinpoint number two out of 35 so you're so you're saying that so you're saying that you know the seattle is just basically finding a way to deal with how short he is and can't see over the line <laughs> because I don't know what if, if Greg Cosell says that another time. I still have his number. I'm going to call him up and go, Greg, Greg. Like I know I love what you do watching the film, but but do people say that about seriously. Drew Brees? I don't know what Greg says about Drew Brees. I, I know because that, I mean, if you're going to say that about Russell Wilson, I think you got to say it about Drew Brees. I mean, when yeah. you look at Russell Wilson, he's chunking the ball, you know, way further down the field than Drew Brees. You yeah. know, who's everything underneath? Yeah. Yeah, and and Breeze can throw it deep. We've seen him do it. In, yeah, he in can years, yeah, but, absolutely. But but yeah, it's funny. Wilson's just fantastic. He's a Hall of Fame. The Wilson here's my favorite player. one. Four per, the NFL average is four percent scramble drill. Russell Wilson eleven percent. <laughs> <laughs> the average NFL quarterback when he gets out into that turn into that scramble drill, it, it's it's literally oh god, what's about to happen? The turnover worthy plays jump to six point four percent on average. Wilson's is a one point four percent. And his big time throws ten point six percent versus four point three percent for the rest of the NFL. So I mean, he's just he's on another level, Matt. I mean, there's he's, no other way to put it. He's on another level in every single way imaginable. I would like to thank PFF for them being able to put Russell Wilson in the Hall of Fame when he deserves to be put in because that data is going to prove that without a shadow of a doubt. Um, because even if he doesn't win another Super Bowl, even if you know his career gets cut short somewhere down the line, what he's done. Somebody asked me, that, Eric Stoner, Eric Stoner asked me, name your five, top five quarterbacks. And so I and 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 so I said to him, okay, you know, not in any particular order. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Dan Marino. Um, how many is that? Yeah, Brady, Montana, Dan Marino, um, Brett Favre, because you know I like Brett Favre and I he's my quarterback to defend the planet because I think of think things a little differently, not from the data standpoint there. And then I put Russell Wilson on that list. And and Eric said, you see, he's like, I've been having this argument for years with Justice Mosqueda because Justice, because I've told him Russ needs to be on that list ahead of Aaron Rodgers. Like, you can forget about Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson needs to be on that list. So I'm just laughing because it, it's like, um, it, what you've shared with me is just, you, you know, the way he's done this the past couple of years, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. So enough of like riding Russell Wilson here the way that we have. We, we, I mean, we could do it all night. We could. Yeah, we'll move on. We could. So we will, yeah. But I will add this. For those of you who've tuned into the Arizona Cardinals show, um, which we did earlier tonight, um, I said I, I had 887 plays for them. 
I forgot to add Kyler Murray's 100 rushing attempts that I had for him. So it's actually 997, which kind of explained why my confusion was there with the run game. So if you've listened to that and wondered, you know, why I seem kind of confused about what was going on. <laughs> when that, you guys are like, why does Matt have the Cardinals running like, you know, 35% uh, a, 19, a, a 1920 offense? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So there you go. So I knew something was off. And it was while I was doing the calculations with Seattle because I have Seattle at 991 attempts and at a 50-50 ratio in terms of run to pass this year. Um, So with Russell Wilson, I've been 496 attempts, 329 completions at 66.3% completion rate and 3,950 yards. Getting close to that 4,000 mark. 7.96 yards per attempt because, like you said, he chucks that ball downfield and makes it look like he's throwing 10-yard completions at at, at the furthest. Um, 36 touchdowns, approaching career high there, if not at it. 7.3% of his his attempts going to his touchdowns. Um, Seven interceptions, 1.4% of his attempts. And then I have him running the ball 67 times. For 376 yards and three touchdowns, he is one of my top four quarterbacks on the board. Yeah, he's he's awesome. I have to give him, before I give the line here, I have to just give him a smidge more love. I, I know you can handle it, man. I don't know. Um, so so his touchdowns per attempt, is it's freaking amazing. Um, most quarterbacks would love to have one year where they're over 6% your really good quarterbacks will have a few years over 6%. And when I say really good, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers in his prime, Peyton Manning in his prime, Tom Brady in his prime. No one has done this. Here are Russell Wilson's touchdowns per attempt numbers for his career. 6%, 8.2%, 6.1%. He had a 3.8 in 2016. That was his worst year ever, but then the year before, a 7%. The year before that, he was a 4.4, but then the year before that, 6.4 and 6.6. So six out of eight years, he has done something that most quarterbacks hope to do do for just one or two years, and they would feel really, really great about themselves. Um, And when you put that with his yards per attempt, they're always elite, Matt. I mean, he's never, he's, you know, he's had one year that was low and it was a 7.2 and that was a year they had to pass all the time. So he did lose some efficiency by play action going away, but he was your number one fantasy quarterback that year in 2017 when he had 553 attempts. Um, So again, I mean, yards per attempt, touchdowns per attempt, interceptions per attempt, it's all there. Um, So it's just really hard to, to Russell Wilson should be a lock in your, in your top five fantasy you know quarterbacks and i'm not trying to be rude but if he's not in there you're just doing this wrong and you may just not want to play fantasy football but 507 passing attempts 66 percent completion rate eight yards per attempt i've got him at 4056 yards so man i've got him just creeping over um and some of that you know um it, it's really not i don't have anything out of the ordinary projected for him here that versus what he's done in his life i've only got him at six percent touchdowns per attempt that could easily be you know an outlier year for russ Matt, we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's gonna be like ten, yeah. where most people you see their outlier year and they're like, "Whoa, look at that eight percenter." When Russell Wilson gets his outlier year, if he gets one, six percent's his normal. It's gonna be like eight or nine percent, right? Yeah. And so I've got him at thirty passing touchdowns. 
But imagine if he got his career year, his outlier year, and it was 8%. He throws 41 touchdowns on the volume we have him at. Yeah. So that's the other thing, again, back to Wilson earlier when I talked about people not realizing that he has number one quarterback overall upside. And that's the other reason. He still hasn't had his year where you're like, wow, he had a lot of things just break his way. He's just been making this stuff happen no matter what. And he hadn't had, you know, a lot of the luck play into it yet. So, um, and who knows, he may never have that. But most quarterbacks do get a year where it's like it's a blip on the radar. And you're like, whoa, look at that. I mean, Mahomes had it in year two. Yeah. You know, I mean, where he was like almost at a nine, he was up over a 9%, I think, touchdowns per attempt. Wilson could have that kind of year. Um, so 75 rushing attempts, 375 rushing yards two rushing touchdowns so that's 326 fantasy points matt in your typical uh scoring formats beautiful so moving on to the receivers listen we already talked about lockett you know that he can work inside you can put him outside he's a great deep threat he's someone that's able to get nice mismatches and then it's a kind of a reciprocal relationship with dk metcalf who's really come on in the sense that you know, people were all fretting about, oh, he can't bend at the combine. He can't bend. He can't run those square ends. He can't run those digs. He, you know, we're not going to get those comeback routes the way that you need to worry about it. Listen, man, he, he just needs to touch you, give you one of those little love taps that he gives you and he gets separation. <laughs> so he doesn't have to be exactly like unbelievable with that. And you have to understand again that the, there's a lot more to scouting than just looking at that particular thing. There's a lot of layers to it. And what he does, he does extremely well. Um, and he's only going to get better at it. He's a worker and he's on a team that has great leadership. So on the offensive side. So when you look at Tyler Lockett, I've met, I have him at 105 targets, 77 catches, 1,005 yards at a 13 yards per catch average and eight touchdowns. DK Metcalf, I have actually leading in targets with 110, but um, just under Lockett and receptions at 62 receptions for 961 yards at 15.5 yards per catch because I think he's going to have more of the deeper targets. And so the percentages will be a little bit lower, even though it's Russell Wilson who makes them look you know, so good. Um, and I have him averaging 15.5 yards per catch for 11 touchdowns. I think he'll be a bigger factor in the red zone this year and with big plays. Um, after that, I mean, it's really just going to be a mismatch of receivers who get in on the game. I think David Moore will still have a role with 29 targets, 14 catches, 241 yards. I've met a whopping 17 yards per catch because he'll get some real nice mismatches that Russ Wilson will be able to find because of the attention to Lockett and Metcalf. Same with Philip Dorsett, who I think will have 35 targets, 17 catches, 273 yards and 16 yards per catch and another two touchdowns. Easily one of those players could end up absorbing the other guy's targets and we look at them as more like a 55-60 catch player who gets, you know, 20, you know, 30 to 35 catches and then, you know, another 500 yards and four touchdowns. That's how that could go. Malik Turner and John Ursua, I mean, if they combine for 20 targets and, and you know, 7 to 10 catches, good for them. The, the real story here, I think, is the tight end group. And you're going to see Greg Olson. I have Greg Olson at 65 targets, 54 catches, 619 yards, and seven touchdowns. That's why I'm like I'm optimistic that he's going to be up there with Lockett and Metcalf in touchdowns, and probably the the second most targeted or the second most productive red zone touchdown producer 
in the passing game. I think that's what will happen. Most of him will, his targets will come on those beautiful seam routes that Russ Wilson throws and that he's so good at catching. I think their chemistry is going to be unbelievable there. Will Disley, listen, I have him at 16 targets, 13 receptions, 130 yards, 10 yards per catch and a touchdown. He could easily take Jacob Hollister and Luke Wilson's looks that I have them for a combined 15 cat um targets 10 catches for 108 yards so you could give disley you know for me you could give disley a total of 31 targets another you know 23 catches and then we're talking about maybe 300 400 yards and and three to four touchdowns this year and that could be a nice two tight end tandem where disley gives you some um potential there and then from the running game standpoint I have Chris Carson at 46 targets, 35 catches, 256 yards, and two touchdowns. And then after that, you're just looking at like kind of a smaller amounts of stuff like with Homer and, and Dallas and Hyde each getting somewhere between 10 to 20 targets each. Um, you know, each of them catching somewhere between the 10 to 15 balls and somewhere between about 40 to 100 yards, depending on which one you think is going to have the bigger play and maybe they'll get a touchdown out of it. Um, so, you know, that's my look at the passing game with the Seahawks. Um, I think that, you know, Dwayne set that up pretty darn well in terms of what, what the Seahawks like to do. And you see the big play element, and I think it shows up in these guys' games. Yeah, I was just looking something up um, in this in the back-end data uh, that I have access to that's awesome at PFF. And so Tyler Lockett... This is what I was talking about earlier, uh, the mismatches that he gets. And a lot of times they'll use motion. They do a lot of different things that, you know, force, well, A, where they align him, he gets more zone coverage, you know, than, you know, a lot of his peers. But just a lot of the things they do force some of these issues. And so Tyler Lockett has caught seven touchdowns, Matt, in the last two years where he's had a linebacker or safety in primary coverage. <laughs> wow. Like this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah. Like this is like video game stuff. He's got 737 yards against linebackers and safeties in the last two seasons. Yeah. How many yards does he have total? That's what I was actually just trying to pull up. He's, he, his yardage over the last two years, uh, there's his yards rushing. Um, nope, hang on. There's his air yards. I have so many advanced stats, it's like I have trouble just finding like normal stats. <laughs> it's like, hey, where's just his, where's his, where are his receptions? Uh, so sorry, hang on. I'm looking. I don't know. You may have it right in front of you where you can see it easier than me, what his his yardage is over the last two years. There it is. I got it. Okay. So he's had two thousand and he's two thousand and twenty two receiving yards over the last two years. You know, so almost, you know, forty percent of those have come against linebackers and safeties. That's insane. Like you don't get yeah. those kind of matchups. Seven touchdowns. Um he's caught eighteen. So seven out of his 18, 18 have come, you know, against that. So that's the type of thing you're getting with Tyler Lockett. And that's, that's one of the reasons why he can do so well and not be a receiver that gets targeted 150 times. And so, you know, even you'll hear fantasy analysts now on, you know, they're like, well, you just got to trust his efficiency. That's why you can trust his efficiency. One, he has Russell Wilson as his quarterback. Number two, what they do to set him up. It's, I mean, he's in the perfect situation. 
you know, he gets to use his skill set. Um, they know how to use it. So that's that's the deal with Tyler Lockett. I just had to throw that out there no, because I found that it's amazing. So I've got Lockett as the top target with Metcalf as the second. I've got Lockett at 22% of the targets, Metcalf at 21%. So that's 112 for Lockett, 76 receptions. And again, this is where you get – this is the other part of it and where it comes back to Wilson. Most receivers working at the depth of targets that Lockett and some of these other guys do, their catch rates are going to be like 60, 575 Tyler Lockett's I've got at a 68.5 and I've got him marked low compared to what he's done. Yeah. You know, so even though he only gets 112 targets, he gets 76 receptions. It'd take most other receivers at the, working at the same average depth of target he does, Matt. They would need, you know, 140 targets to get the same number of catches that he does. Yeah. 130 targets. So hyper efficient. Um, so 76 receptions, 1,070 yards. And I've got him at 7.5 touchdowns, which, you know, that's lower. He has, he's had eight and 10 in the last two years. Um, Metcalf, I've got at 106 targets with 67 receptions, 15 yards per catch, 998 yards, and nine receiving touchdowns. Um, these two guys combined last year, Matt, it's pretty insane. Like, if you look at the, how often they get targeted in the end zone, um, Lockett was targeted 12, 13 times in the end zone. Beside, despite being a small guy, DK Metcalf was targeted 18 times in the end zone last season. There's only one, DK's number one, Tyler Lockett's number three as far as number of targets in the end zone. So for fantasy players, why that's important, um, they get high leverage targets. <laughs> they get used often in the, in the place where it matters the most, meaning not all fantasy points are equal. There's targets and then there's targets in the red zone and there's targets in the end zone. And each layer of that, you go incrementally up, right? And what your expected outcome would be. So where these guys don't get the normal volume, their efficiency, um, their efficiency plays and they're in situations where you really can't project it going away because of the way the offense works. So you're so you're telling me that Brian, the people who are going off on Brian Schottenheimer, as you said, are maybe going off a little bit too hard when it comes to, you know, what they're doing in terms of efficiency of scheming what they do. So then, and as a result of that, maybe that's part of the problem is that you have the bean counters going, hey, the efficiency is great. You need to do this more, which might maybe also ruin the balance of, why they're so efficient at what they do. Well, what's interesting, Matt, is when you really dig into that and you dissect that across the league, the teams that are the best every year have a high net yards you know, per attempt. So that's your attempts minus your sacks. Um, I mean, you're, a, you're passing yardage minus your sack yardage. And if you go look across these teams that win every year and often are going to the Super Bowl, the 49ers, the Titans, the Ravens, all these deep runs these teams made, and you're seeing it more and more, the Bills are even trying to do it some. They don't run quite as much play action as these other teams. But these are the teams with the leading offenses in the entire NFL. Yeah, It's not the teams that are dropping back to pass 65% of the time. And I'm not saying that, that dropping back to pass, that you couldn't do it that way. I think what we've yet to see tested is a team that would still throw the ball 65% of the time, but run play action like 50% of the time and see if a defense can actually adapt or if it's kind of 
just hardwired, right, in a linebacker's brain at that point in his life that he has to bite on play action. And that's basically like, you know, some of the great work that Josh Hermsmeyer and some of these other guys have done. They've shown that, look, it doesn't matter if you run the ball 50 times versus 20, you still get respect on play action. So I just wonder where is that break-even point? That's what you'd love to see. Like, And Russell Wilson would be the perfect guy to test that out with, right? Just yeah. play action at every time. You know, and let him keep, and let him throw a little bit more than what you know he is, and I think that's what some of the folks in the community push against is sure. because they believe that even if Seattle all of a sudden threw the ball sixty percent, they could still have the same efficiency as long as they kept their play action game intact and they utilize these players the way they are now. It still puts a defense in the bind, and you still got to worry about Russell Wilson running, um, you know, as well. Good points. It's interesting. <laughs> But, you know, high level teams that are doing this, even though they are running more, um, they're the ones that are winning. <laughs> they're the ones that are – now, some of it is because they get to play with a lead, but they're super efficient in the play-action passing game, um, and, and these teams are winning. Um, it's, it's basically – you know, you've heard people say this before, but it really is a cheat code. It's, it's yeah. crazy. So I've got the third target on the team, Matt, as being Greg Olson. I've got him at 14% of the targets. That's 71 with – 71 targets, 53 receptions, and I've got him at four and a half touchdowns with 480 yards. Um, so I, I think he's still got a ceiling of being in the top 12 tight ends. You know, I think he could be a top eight tight end. You know, if he stays healthy the whole season, I think that's in the range of outcomes. And to your point, basically no one wants to draft this guy in fantasy football. <laughs> so you can have him at the very end. Uh, and if you're in a home league, you can probably take him with your last pick. If you want to take like an upside guy, you know, in round 13, like an Irv Smith or somebody like that that has a chance to play in a similar passing attack with a lot of play action, but a, a highly athletic young tight end that if he took over for Rudolph, I think Irv Smith's upside is to be a top six tight end, you know, if that all happened in this year. But Olsen can be kind of your safety blanket that you then grab behind him and say, he's going to be in a great situation no matter what. He's just got to stay healthy. And then you kind of got, you have a nice pair, you know, if you're in a deep enough league where you can grab two tight ends. And then I've got, I'm like you, the, the guys in the passing game, um, they are raving a little bit. And to your point, you have to take all this grain of salt with a grain of salt when it comes to uh, Carroll, but Philip Dorsett, um, you know, he does have that vertical element as well. So it would be, it'll be interesting to see if they can get a little bit going with him as well. Uh, you already talked about David Moore, who's a guy I really love and I think was actually coming on and, you know, Metcalf just kind of, you know, was kind of like a wet blanket on his party um, because David Moore was outperforming what most people I think understand about him as, as a player and as a receiver, he did some really nice things, you know, with Russell Wilson. So I've got more at 9% of the targets, 8% for uh, Philip Dorsett. And I've got him at uh, 27 and 28 catches, 383 and 389 yards, three touchdowns and one and a half touchdowns. And again, that's more than Dorsett. That's the order I went. Uh, I have 10% of the targets, Matt, going to Chris Carson. Um, you know, um, last year, I want to say he was at 12 or 13. I've got him a little bit, you know, lower this year, just kind of anticipation of them using, they could once Rashad Penny's back use more of a three-man committee. Remember when they did that the year before with Mike Davis, Chris Carson, and Rashad Penny? Sure. It was a three-man show. And so we could see a little bit more of that. But I've, I've basically, my my pecking order is Lockett one, Metcalf a very close two, and those are really the top two. Then you have a drop-off, and you've got Olsen, and then you've got um, Chris Carson, and then you have the other guys. Nice. 
So, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll wrap this up with the look at the running game. Carson, to me, I think I'm just projecting him far and away as the guy this year. Um, I know that Penny might come back at some point, but I'll believe it when I see it. Um, and because of the addition of the players that they have, that signals to me that they're concerned, no matter what PD Sunshine says. So I'm looking at 282 attempts for Chris Carson, 1,315 yards and eight touchdowns. That's why I have him very close to the top 10, if not in it. I don't remember right off the bat. All I know is that, like, if you don't get James Conner in the third round or the second round, I'm always going for Chris Carson after that as my ideal number two back um, in fantasy drafts if you're looking early in, earlier in the draft in the opening three to five rounds. I have Rashad Penny at 25 attempts, 94 uh, um, yards, no touchdowns. Um, home, Travis Homer, 23 attempts, 105 yards. Um, DJ Dallas, he's going to get about 18 for 72. And then good old Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde, I have at 80 attempts, 360 yards at 4.5 yards per attempt at five touchdowns. Um, pretty high touchdown rate. But I think that it's going to be Hyde and Carson pretty much in this realm. And, and Hyde is still an excellent runner. Um, he's just one of those guys that he's not fast enough. He's not sexy enough for the, for the GM who wants, you know, a, a new car every five years, a new wife every five years, and um, you know some new pharmacological substance. You know, um, probably every five years too, for whatever means that he needs. Maybe for the girlfriend, I don't know. But there we go. <laughs> oh man, how do I follow that? Um, yeah, so I, I've got I've got Carson at 269 attempts, so we're pretty close. You've got him about you know. 15, 16 higher than me. Um, I've got him at 1,144 yards. So I've got his yards per carry a little bit lower than you, it sounds like. I've got him at four and a quarter. But sure. I've got him at eight rushing touchdowns. I've got him at 51 targets, 41 receptions, 284 yards receiving, and one and a half touchdowns receiving. So, I mean, that's 241 fantasy points in a PPR league. and a non-PPR, that's 200. So he's very clear. he's very clearly for me – you know, a back that, um, you know, and it, it depends on the way the draft's working out. I'm not necessarily targeting him a ton because right. of where receivers go, which is kind of back to the draft plan show I was talking about earlier and the receivers that I like in that range. But if I'm going to take a running back out of kind of that gaggle of, you know, um, you know, Le'Veon Bell and um, Todd Gurley and some of the other guys, I feel just as comfortable. I, Chris Carson's the one that I feel the best about taking. Right. Um, and, and I've got Hyde as being the second guy is just like you. I've got him at 94 attempts for 398 yards and three rushing touchdowns. And he's a sneaky in deeper leagues. He's a sneaky late, you know, around 14, 15, 16, you know, he's, he's a sneaky handcuff. You know, he's a sneaky guy to put on the end of your roster there because if Carson does have any issues, you know, coming back from the hip or if he has any setbacks, you know, early in the season, um, he opted not to have surgery, you know, during the off season. And by all accounts, things are going well. Um, but we know that there is a little bit of injury history as well with Carson and with Rashad Penny likely going to, it sounds from everything I can tell Matt, he'll, he's, he's not going to start the year on the active roster. Um, Hyde could, wow, yeah. be in, in one of those scenarios where you're in a pinch and it could be a COVID thing. Who knows what? Knock on one. Hopefully it's not a COVID thing. But right. you could get two or three games out of Carlos Hyde that will give you RB1 numbers. Yep. <laughs> you know, 
So he's a handy, he's a kind of a handy tool to have sitting there in the duct tape. And yes, in the, in the toolbox. And whereas a lot of the other players that are in similar situations to him, right, where they run the ball a lot, or, you know, you have a clear handcuff, they'll go three or four rounds. He's the one that you can get dirt cheap. You know, fantasy duct tape. That should be a, that should be a, um, an episode, you know, or that should be some sort of like, um, subject because it's like it's not sexy it looks awful but it basically does the job when you exactly. need it to you know that that we'd have to duct tape a WD-40 show that would basically be <laughs> that just would, keeping things together just keeping just, things just together holding it together till reinforcements are I right. think that's what I might have to like I may have to give these the duct tape and WD-40 for my replacements article at Football Guys during the season if we have if it comes to that. I so love it. There we go. I love it. Well, I always love doing this with Dwayne, and we I appreciate the generosity of his time for us to go into what we have. Um, you know, you can find him at Pro Football Focus at Finding Chance Fantasy. Check out the draft plan that he talked about earlier. That's available on the YouTube channel on the podcast. Awesome stuff. Um, and yeah, he probably shouldn't be sharing that stuff with you, but at the same time, you know, the depth that he's sharing that is awesome. And maybe it'll get people off his back if they ever ask him, why did you rank someone like this? Well, probably not. Cause I've been doing this for as, as, as old as, you know, his kids in college now and going off to college, I've been doing as long as he's been alive. And I still get, why did you do that? Cause that's what you guys do. That's, that's what makes us fun. <laughs> You know, is we question each other. We wonder what's going on. Why is there a reason for these types of things? We have a very intelligent fan base. Keep asking those questions. I'll keep making fun of you because you know it's all in good natured. And I love what you guys bring to the table when it comes to the feedback that you give Dwayne and I about this show and other things that we do in this space. You guys have a great week.